This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of Five on Three, WFUV's podcast for all things hockey. I usually say all things NHL, but we are branching outside the world of the NHL today for for numerous different segments. So all things hockey today. It is New Year's Eve Eve, one of my favorite days of the year because I get to sit here and I don't believe in um, resolutions for New Year's because I think we can change and be better people at all times of the year. But I love New Year's Eve Eve because there's just so much fun tension built up. So what better way to celebrate one of my favorite days of the year than to be here with some of my absolute favorite people here on Zoom. For those of you that do not know, I am Samantha Borer here with Lou Orlando and James Burley with our producer, Mr. Nick Palmer. First off, how are we doing today, guys? Lou, you are you are in my home turf in New York. You're in Brooklyn. How's it, how's it doing in the borough? It's good. It actually just started to get like not 15 degrees outside. So it's like nice to go outside and not be freezing everything's good in new york excited to celebrate new year's a little bit i get to call a women's basketball game on new year's day so that's exciting but all good things over here that is so fun lou is a man as is everyone in this entire group of many many talents so be sure to tune in to lou calling that women's basketball game on new year's day because it is always so much fun mr james burley over in new jersey how are you right now uh doing a little better because uh jack hughes just scored i love him i love him so much he's a good player Good at hockey. That's what that's what's uh, going on right now. Jack Hughes is good at hockey. That's the only thought in my brain. Uh, except Lou, where's that? Uh, where's that women's basketball game going to be on? Spreaker? Just just to let people know where to find you. You know, I was going to plug it, but I'm so glad you that it is going to be on Spreaker. First in conference <laughs> game of the season. So big for them as they try and get that A10 championship. So. Huge. A-10 play is starting at Fordham University, and it did not start off too strong for the men's team the other day. We don't so talk about that. We don't want to talk about that. And this is a hockey move right, move right on from Fordham right men's basketball loss. <laughs> from that loss, because that was a tough one. But <laughs> women's would be better. Everyone be sure to tune in. But we are here to discuss not the game on the court, but the game on the ice, one might say. You have to say, I guess, in this occasion. <laughs> so we will start off here with our local metropolitan teams. Let's start off with the New York Rangers. And, you know, the game the other night, I was not happy with the outcome. However, losing in a shootout to the reigning Eastern Conference champions, the team that knocked you out of the playoffs last year, is not exactly a terrible loss. I mean, it could have been a much larger uh, margin, much larger margin. That's what I meant to say. Between the goal scoring there, absolutely. And I think for Rangers fans, it's always fun, you know, seeing them come back and play the Lightning again, just like it's fun to see them play any Easter Conference Division opponent, but especially the one that they now have a, a rivalry with, I would say, something of that nature. So, you know, I mean, Lou, what did you see out of that game? And and how pleased or displeased were you? I mean, first of all, you have to be at least a little pleased because the way they played against the Capitals coming out of Christmas break was awful. I remember because I was there, I remember texting you like, this is one of the worst games I've been at. It was, they were non-competitive. They were slow. Gallant comes out, calls them garbage, soft, all those things, right? To see them come out against Tampa and, and play at least like good, exciting hockey. It was, was nice to see because that first game against Washington was so bad. I don't think that you're like too upset uh, about the loss. You have reason to be upset, but like, 
Igor played great. So did Vasilevsky. I mean, that's what we always get from them. It feels like the Rangers, at least when they play Tampa, like they come to play. They come with energy. There's some bad things. They couldn't hit the net for their life in the third period in overtime. So there's some bad things to go in that game. But I think overall you saw some improvements. We have to talk about what Glant's doing with the Lions and all that stuff. But at least they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I just to echo that, I mean, at, at a glance, the uh, the Rangers are at sixth in the division. But if that I still see that Rangers lightning game, you know, that is the Eastern Conference final. I see that as as still a heavyweight matchup in the in the in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, you saw the way the Rangers played stuck in there till the end. Tough loss in the shootout um, going into a game against now Florida and Carolina. You've got some teams all venturing towards the top of the pack in that both the Atlantic Division and Metro, Florida, kind of in a similar situation to the Rangers within the standings. But because it's so tight in the Metropolitan Division, you have to reward um, a point like that away uh, to Tampa. Uh, on, on the road against, you know, rain, back-to-back champions now, three-time finalists in a row. We got to get used to start saying that now. Um, <laughs> the, the Rangers, like, it's, it was certainly an improvement in performance from that awful 4 nothing loss to the Capitals, but there's still room to improve. And I know, Nick, you just threw it, like the great producer you are, into the chat. That Lafreniere scratch, the Sammy Blay situation, I, I don't know what is going on there. I mean, obviously, Sam and Lou, you guys are going to know maybe a little bit more than I will in that regard. Uh, and I just – that's why I wanted to just open that up to you guys because that there's been some big decisions on the, uh, on the uh, roster end from Gallant, and uh, I'm sure that you guys have your opinions on it. Oh, sorry. Lou, were you? I, I'm so sorry. I was going to go click on mute and then I just, things are hard on Zoom. You got it, Sam, please. Oh, I want oh. you to go first. Ah, okay. Okay. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. Lou and I were texting about that um, when Laugh was scratched because we both went, what on earth is this and why for Sammy Blay? And when I was even at the uh, Avs game last night, I was even sitting there talking to my seatmates and they were like, so what was that about? And I was like, you know, I don't really know. All season, we have watched Gallant change up this line, these lineups. Every every game, we have watched him, you know, try and mix things up and see what's happening. And for I last week, we were like, oh, maybe maybe they figured something out. Maybe they figured out, you know, where Kako can belong and he's doing well. Where where Mika and Chris make sense that they're going to be supporting other people, but having enough space of their own. And now I'm just confused, and it's looking to me as if. Alexi Lafreniere will be gone at the trade deadline, which I don't think is something I necessarily predicted prior to this past move to healthy scratch him and put Sammy Blay in his place. But now I'm kind of feeling like that might be a likely move for them, especially because there have been a few big targets that they've been rumored to be after. And, you know, rumors are tumors. So my uh, middle school dean said, but I don't know. I mean, Lou, you you had some strong strong feelings about this, so I, I apologize for cutting you off before, but I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, I, it's it's a little confusing, right? I don't think that. I mean, let's first off, let's be honest. Lafreniere has been a little bit invisible. That's a term that's been thrown around. And I I felt that when you go to the games and you watch the games, you're not feeling Lafreniere the way you were earlier in the season. There was a stretch where he was out there, and even if he wasn't scoring, you felt his impact. And I'd say. Even over this winning stretch, Lafreniere's been invisible. You haven't noticed him. He hasn't done a ton. And it seemed like Gallant was kind of at, at his at an end with it. And he, we heard in practice he was on the fourth line. 
And then we got the update that he was scratched. And, I, you know, your guttural reaction when you see that he's scratched for Sammy Blay is, man, this is awful. Sammy Blay has been one of the worst forwards in the NHL this year. <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't scored a goal. He actually – it was really funny. He missed an, an empty net in the Tampa game. He got a good pass and just completely missed the net. Um, but I heard some things that maybe Glant was trying to make it – the lineup more physical. One of his problems with the Washington game was – the Rangers didn't hit anyone. They just kept reaching with sticks, and at least Sammy Blay kind of hits people sometimes. I don't agree with it. I don't know that he's gone at the deadline. I was actually quick shout out to Up in the Blue Seats, which is Molly Molly Walker's podcast. Great podcast. They were talking about Gallant pulled this move last year, heading into the playoff stretch. He scratched Lafreniere, and then Lafreniere came back and scored two goals the next game. So maybe it's just you're trying to spark something. I don't think they're going to trade him necessarily, but it's he's not in a great spot. If you're talking about the three kids, like he's right now at the bottom of that that list, and that's not a great thing for your number one overall draft pick. Yeah, if you're if you're a number one overall draft pick, I don't think that's at all where you want to be. And I mean, we talk about oh, second overall draft bust, and I don't want to call him a bust by any means because I don't think he is, but or I don't think he's quite at bust level. But I think he's a bit of a bit of a dusting in my opinion he's not what they wanted him to be and it's it's hard yeah I was like I don't know what other word to use there but that's that's the word I'm going to use is because I imagine it's like a sprinkle of what they thought he was going to be is there so I don't know yeah Nick Palmer's dropping bust in the chat in all caps he thinks that uh Laffy is indeed a bust I don't know James do you have any thoughts on this situation as a whole well now that the conversation has turned to is Alexi Lafreniere a bust or not because he's only 21, I, I'm not ready to say he's a bust. And he certainly has a lot of trade value. So if, if, the, if that's a du- direction the Rangers want to take, there's a lot of uh, interesting possibilities that they could pursue. I mean, Patrick Kane is the big name that's going to get thrown out with a uh, trade value uh, associating with a winger to the Rangers. So I've seen so many edits with Lafreniere in a Blackhawks jersey and a Canadians jersey now. I don't know what the Canadians one's all about, but that's that's just where the rumor mill is and i i don't think the rangers are going to trade him um i think scratching him it's it's not as big a deal i think i don't think we can read into it like it's going to be a trade deadline thing uh just yet i think it's more of it could be just a learning moment for a young player uh when you you remove the label of first overall pick from him and it no longer sounds as scary that he gets scratched uh, when you look at the production so i think it's a fair decision. I think it's a statement from Gallant saying you need to be better. This is this franchise has put a lot of chips in your basket. Sammy Blay is going to play over you in this game against uh, who do they who do they have next? Florida. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So and if and in fact if it continues, well maybe maybe it's uh maybe it speaks to something different. But if it's a one one or two game thing, then I think it's you can just say all right, let's take the wheels off, peel it back, get back to your game again. And with a player as talented as Lafreniere, you, you hope that's what it is if you're a Rangers fan. It would be a, a major red flag if he gets scratched for Florida, I think. I think this yeah. is just a, a one-game thing. It, it is, though. It brings a, a whole new conversation about the line. Sam kind of touched on it. Like We were just at a point where we started to feel like really good about, oh, maybe these are the lines we'll see for a while. I don't think that fans have had a problem with They've definitely had a problem with him jumbling the lines, but the last over the last stretch, you kind of felt like they were in a good spot, and you were finding combinations that were working. And you look at the lines against Tampa. Not that they played that poorly, but you have VC on the fourth line, which is a, a shock to me of how well he's played just defensively. 
and he got kind of demoted uh, in the last the last period against the Capitals too. You have Trocheck and don't say that Nick Palmer. Nick Palmer just said where he belongs, as if Jimmy VC isn't one of the best defensive forwards this year and has been frankly a smart plug. Say it louder, Lou. Say it louder. Where Jimmy where Jimmy VC belongs is New Jersey. That yeah. He, Listen, he wasn't um, there. <laughs> he wasn't there. And then you let him have you let, let us take him and we've really enjoyed him so far. I don't VC is no, not I, a fourth liner hey. for this team. No. Very happy for Jimmy VC. Very happy for him. He he turned his career around in a way that is very difficult to do. Completely remodeled his game and is now one of the most effective two-way forwards. Uh, one of the most effective bottom six forwards uh, across the entire NHL. So just wanted to get that out there. Just like last thing on the lines, like I didn't think we were going to see Blay for a while. I thought we were going to see Trocek and Kreider get a lot of run. I thought the same thing with Mika and Panarin. Now you're at a point where I don't think that you can predict the lines. Uh, I think you're really kind of wondering, like, day in, day out, what are these lines going to look like? They can change just on on a whim because how well they've been playing the last few games to change it that quickly against Washington. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a problem that he changed it that quickly because they were really bad against Washington, but the entire team was really bad. To not go back to what had been working, I think, is a little surprising. And now you're just kind of in this limbo spot where – what are the lines? Gallant keeps hinting that there's this line combination he has in his head that's like the perfect combination. And I don't know that we've gotten to that combination yet. And if will we see it all year? I I wonder if we will know when we've hit that perfect combination. You know, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, he says that, but does he even know? Because he's uh he's a hungry man, but I, I look at him and I'm just like, Gallant, I trust you. I trust what you've got going on up in that noggin. But I think that it's never going to be perfect to him. There's always going to be something, which it shouldn't be. If you're a coach, you should never be satisfied. There's just, so, there's too many variables between where are you going to play Kratz off? What are you doing with the kids? Because like the, the kids and themselves, do you play them together? Do you split them up? Because they've played well together. They've played singular one on the first line, putting Kako or Lafreniere on the first line. They've looked good there too. So it's, I think there are too many questions to have the perfect line combination in your head. It's whatever works, but, We've seen him go away from stuff that's worked too. So I don't, I don't really know. I agree. I think that we, we started seeing things that worked and we were like, all right, great. And then now we haven't seen some of that again. So only time will tell for the Rangers. Time will tell if Alexi Lafreniere is in fact a trade piece, a bargaining piece at this deadline. I, I don't really know, you know, I feel like we're going to get some surprises from this team this year. I mean, I was already plenty surprised when Ryan Reeves went away and I was not expecting that this year. So I think it is really anyone's game at this point in the season, or it's rather anything can happen. And we are, we are fools for trying to predict these line combinations just as much as we are fools for trying to predict what is going to happen at the deadline. Moving forward, talking about unpredictable, Let's move to the Islanders because I personally find this team. Yeah. Nick Palmer just scoffed at that transition, but here's the thing is we have said all season, this team is incredibly streaky and unpredictable, which you know what they are. They hit a bit of a slouch for a little bit after going on like that early win streak. Now they're coming back and they are so inconsistent. It's win, loss, win, loss, 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 win, loss, loss. And now they're on a three game win streak at this point. So they recently beat the Columbus blue Ga- blue jackets, Two to one. Prior to that, they absolutely stomped the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Florida Panthers, both five to one, which is pretty ridiculous. Not 
not ridiculous because, of course, this team is talented. However, the Penguins have been a formidable opponent this year. And I think that the Islanders to beat them by that large of a margin was not something I necessarily expected. Did I think they could win? Yes. Did I think that they'd win by four goals? Not necessarily. So I don't know. A lot of good coming out of this team. James, how are you feeling about where the Islanders are right now? What you're seeing from them recently? And, you know, on this three-game win streak that Mr. Palmer is oh so thrilled about. I I think you hit the nail on the head just harping on the inconsistency because when this team's at their best, they they look like they belong. Honestly, they could be at the top of this Metropolitan Division. When they're on their game, they are perhaps unstoppable. I mean, you see the production they get. They get a, they are a team that when they're at their best is when they're getting production from all four lines because they have that system where each line has different characteristics that all play out in this in in a in an exciting way that they all get different production from their lines, but they still get points pretty evenly throughout. I mean, we talked about Anders Lee and Barzal's contributions at the beginning of the season when I feel like it's been a, a while since I was last on the podcast, but I don't know if it was actually that long, maybe just three, four weeks. We're talking about their production then. It's that has kind of who you're getting points from has, has changed here and there, but when they're at their best, they look so good. And I, their goaltending situation is so underrated they, they they've got they got a Vesna candidate in there I know they might have the best Russian goaltender in New York I know that's I know that's uh that's uh, up for debate certainly I this season that's up for debate man I don't know I think they're both going to be Vesna candidates yeah so, so um, you're on that one because Igor just had a hell of a game against Tampa Bay he's in prime oh form. he did but I'll give you I'll give you Sorokin's look Sorokin's look pretty hot I absolutely agree. Sorry, I keep having to mute and unmute because I don't want everyone to hear my cat's water feature in the background of this. <laughs> I keep having to mute and unmute. But I mean, we've talked about the inconsistencies all year with this team. And Lou, from what you're seeing from them as of late, what are you what are you satisfied with, unsatisfied? What's still missing at this point? Or rather, I guess a better question is, what's changed to now have this three-game win streak when they haven't really had many, you know, win streaks in a while they haven't gone on a three-game win streak since november so now it's been a month since they've been able to do that what and i'll even open up the floor to nick palmer who wants to comment on this but just looking at the last three games the biggest difference i'm seeing and it, it was something that we talked about with the rangers game when they let up so many rushes in their defense that at times looked really bad is they are dominating offensive possession right now and you look at the last three games, Sorokin's numbers have been incredible, but they're also not allowing that many shots on goal. It's, I think, 23 and then back-to-back games of 21 shots on goal. So they are limiting offensive possessions going towards them, and they are really dominating the puck. I think they have the puck in the offensive zone. Like They're generating like 70% of the game's chances. Like They have just been completely dominating in the offensive zone in a way that I don't think we've seen. I don't think it's a coincidence that this is coinciding with a little bit of an explosion from our boy Matty Barzal, who is shooting the puck a little bit more. This is now three goals in his last two games. Like he's scoring the puck a bit more. So, I, yeah, Nick, I'll say our boy. Why not? We've been talking about him on the pod all the time. I think I think he's the podcast boy at this point. I'll say that. I agree. No, I, I think that he is the That's podcast our boy. boy. That's our boy. Because he's been brought up so much <laughs> that at this point, I am personally invested in his development. Okay? We've been asking him to shoot the puck for like a month. And now. he did. 
And he's yeah, doing are it. Lou and I not allowed to be proud? Would you rather us still continue to hate him? Pick and choose your battles, baby. Oh no, I'll do I'll do what you did when Capo Caco did. Well, I'll say, oh no, that guy sucks. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Bagel. Bagel. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of tension here on five on three today, but all in all in good fun and for good reason. Hopefully we will continue to see, I'll say hopefully for you, Nick, we'll continue to see some fun production out of these Islanders. And like you said, out of Matt Barzell, who has been having a great run recently. I mean, like you said, Louis, we've been asking him to shoot the puck all season and to finally get some goals. And that was something that I was harping on him for was, you know, being paid the most on the team, not being a goal scorer. He's not the top goal scorer on the team, but he is now a goal scorer, which I will give him. And he's still adding points left and right. So with that, we hope the best for Long Island as they continue. They next play the Kraken. The Kraken have been doing pretty well this year, better than I certainly thought they would. So that's going to be a very fun game for sure. Plus, I love their uniforms. The great one of the best logos in sports. Oh, oh and also, can we just comment that everybody wanted them to be the Seattle Kraken, and they didn't crack. No pun intended. They did not crack hey. under pressure. Hey, but, and. They they were like, yeah, you know what? We're going to be the Kraken. We're not going to do this thing where we, like, call ourselves, like, just, like, a normal team name. We're going to be real, real weird with it, like the Pacific Northwest ought to be. And they, and, they, and they just did it. And it's a cool logo, cool uni, cool name. Dude, absolutely. I, I'm a fan of the Seattle Kraken, like, for sure. So I, I, I'm excited to see how this goes for this team and for the Islanders as well. And with that, we will move on to our third team of this New York metropolitan area. Let us move to the New Jersey Devils, which James Burley is currently watching a Devils game, if I am not mistaken. You are not. You are I, not mistaken. How's it How's it looking right there for now, James? I, I sadly do not have the score pulled up. So how are we How are we doing tonight? I say we as if I am still a member of that team. <laughs> no, you, you're still part of the Devils family, Sam. Thank you. Never forget that. Never yes. forget that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of our own. Uh, they just tied it up to two. Uh, Dougie Hamilton uh, just tied it up. Uh, he did. It was it was a nice goal. You know, like a couple defensive mistakes in there. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. They got to do better at staying out of the box tonight. As far as tonight goes, they co- took a couple of bad penalties. One really confusing one that I'm not sure how it happened. They just like didn't line up for the face off and got to delay a game. It was so weird. Uh, so that's interesting. If you're listening to this and you know what what happened uh dm me on twitter or something because i i was so confused uh as far as the last few games have gone it has been it has been not good in new jersey uh <laughs> it has been bad um you know just a, just a month ago we were on we were on a podcast and i was watching a devil's game and i was like wow they're about to win their 12th in a row and now i'm like oh if they're about to lose their 10th in nine at least it's a tie game now so I'll, before before i lose my mind getting negative uh, I'll let Lou, I'll let you take over and talk about the New Jersey Devils. Well, I I don't know why you think I'm not also going to be negative. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not pretty. <laughs> I'm not going to come in here and, and say that they've been playing great hockey. They they haven't. I mean, we were talking a little bit off air, like, hey, man, what's going on? Like, the metrics kind of look okay. And I get, like, back-to-back games against Allmark is, is tough. And actually, last week, I, I just asked, I asked the Devils, I said, hey, can you split this series, this back-to-back series against Boston, and they could not. And it's it's a, it's a tough task. Uh, Boston is crazy, crazy good, and they have the right now the Vesna favorite by it's not even close. 
Um, Allmark is crazy, and he made a lot of crazy saves, but it's not that you guys aren't generating offensive chances. You're not finishing. And Rangers fan, I can say that I've been on the, the same end of that stick. It's it's horrible, and you, you're kind of like, well, what more can we do? Because it's not like a scheme issue sometimes. It's just like, a, hey, our players need to be good and score the puck. That a lot of times is a harder thing to solve than we're not getting any chances. Yeah, I as an Avs fan, I can also I can also say um, the same thing there where I'm like, sometimes you just need to hit the back of the net and you're just not. Um, and they need to be making better chances as as Nick Palmer just dropped in the chat. Dougie Hamilton has 19 assists in 33 games, but only one goal since November 29th. Um, and these these Devils have been, as you said so eloquently, James, playing bad hockey, having a very bad time on the ice. They've dropped eight of their last nine. They're after this game. If they lose, it'll be nine of their last ten, which is looking a lot like last season's Devils. But what's shocking to me about that is this team does not look like last season's Devils at all. You have a lot more players producing. You have a goalie that has come out of left field and absolutely just demolished the game for some reason. Completely shocked me, at least, when he was traded to New Jersey in this offseason, or rather signed with New Jersey in this offseason. And you're still looking at such tough hockey. And I mean, it is a matter of staying out of the box. It is a matter of, you know, creating more offensive opportunities. And I think really just at this point, finding the back of the net, you can you can generate as many chances as you want. But if you're not able to get it past those goalies, if you're not able to find those small holes, then maybe you're not able to do it. I take a brief pause because James Burley just says three, two. Uh, hey, you know what? You know what? Take take back what I said about taking penalties, because if Nico Hishio scores more shorthanded goals like that, then we don't got nothing to worry about. Three, two, <laughs> 30 seconds left in the period. Come on. Okay, but Sam, no, everything you said was correct, and they are not playing great hockey. Even tonight, they have to stay out of the box. They got really lucky just then. Oh, Look dear. Oh, Captain. Oh, Captain, my Captain for these Devils. Oh, uh, I love Hey, I know we were I know I don't know if we fully pivoted from the awards thing, but that was my Selkie pick just then. Just saying. That was your Selkie pick? Was was Nico Hesher? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm... One of the one of the best two way forwards in the game right now. That's funny because my pick was Jimmy Vesey, but that's. <laughs> and you know what? I was actually thinking about him. I know I just hyped him up like in the last segment. I was thinking about saying Jimmy Vesey for that because he's actually like, I know it's like might be ironic to say it, but he is genuinely in that discussion right now. He he is. The last time I checked, 98th percentile in the league. 98th percentile. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, how are you feeling about the return of Mackenzie Blackwood? Because his first game, when he played against Florida, right, that was his first game yeah. back, was very good. Look, and then the game, game against Boston, he ends up getting pulled. And he let, was it four goals in the second period? That just, yeah. Like crazy? How are you feeling I, about where he fits in? So I, I, I remember hearing you guys mention my tweet that Mackenzie Blackwood was so back, or whatever I said. Uh yeah, maybe spoke a little too soon, but being at that game, it was all three of those, oh, sorry, all four of those goals came from a bad mistake that happened in front of him. One of those mistakes was him giving the puck away himself, and that's inexcusable. You're a goaltender. You tend the goal. We, we know this. And, you, but for for Blackwood to come back in the way that he did against Florida with a lot of pressure, you know, a six-game losing streak on his back, his first game in several months, and the discourse between the fans now has become Vanacek is the starter, 
Akira Schmid is a reliable backup. And Mackenzie Blackwood is the thing of the past. That's where Devils fans' heads are at. So Mackenzie Blackwood's got a lot on his shoulders uh, coming in to that game. And then in the locker room after being pulled against Boston, he gave he could have done better on probably two of those four goals. The other two, I mean, it was Pasternak did something dirty, Bergeron on a ridiculous tip. Like so, some of those things you can't always come back. But I'm really glad you asked about Blackwood specifically, Lou, because seeing him in the locker room after being pulled, he was saying, I'm glad that I have a guy like Vanacek to measure up to because when he's playing at his best, it's pushed me to be at my best. And I think the goaltending situation, I said this last year with Colorado, if you have two goalies that if, you know, one's not having the hot hand, you can refer to the other. That's a good thing. For Blackwood, though, it's about being confident. And he's he doesn't write – I don't think he has that confidence right now. A lot of it is out of his control due to injury and, you know, Vanacek coming in and earning the fans' hearts. But it's 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 difficult because I I from what I know I think Mackenzie Blackwood can be a top ten goalie in the NHL if he stays healthy for a full season and consistently gets wins and builds up that confidence he is genuinely that good I I, I know it's gonna say it's probably been two years since he's been that good so it's looking less and less likely now and with Vanacek uh, being as strong as he's been and with Akira Schmid you know, being as strong as he's been, even though there's still inconsistency there, he's only 20 years old. It's, it's hard to say that Mackenzie Blackwood has a, has a big future in, in New Jersey. Now um, I'm excited to see him back. And I think it's a good thing for the team to have him back around, but uh, we'll see as far as, as far as his uh, impact on the team goes, I think he's definitely considered the number two to Vanacek now. And I think that's the way it's going to look going forward. I know there's been some rumors of him on the deadline with uh, San Jose uh, as one team that is looking for a goaltender. Uh, and and I'm, to go to another thing that you mentioned, Lou, with the fact that the Devils are not scoring goals. And Sam, you said this is not the same Devils team from last year. They are much, much better. When the Devils had that 13-game win streak, um, they were getting production consistently from their best guys across the board. Nico scoring points, Hamilton scoring points, um, Bratt. Hughes, they were all getting points. Vanacek and Schmid were both lights out in goal. Right now, we're getting inconsistency from some of the top guys. Brat has been pretty silent over the past few weeks. Uh, even if you're still seeing the name Brat on Twitter a lot because of uh, some Twitter accounts, he hasn't been great over the over December. Um, it's been a difficult stretch, and with each game, it gets harder and harder to score goals. You know, when you get goalied by Olmark twice in a row. The next game, even if you're not playing Linus Olmark, it's going to be harder to score. And it's the same paradox that they did well with on the on the win streak. Once they strung together those few wins, even when the bounces went against them, they were scoring goals and winning games. Now the bounces aren't going against them. And there's a lack of confidence, even though I feel like in many ways they're sticking to their guns and playing a similar style of hockey, outplaying a lot of teams, even on that losing streak. I mean, it hasn't been as polished as it once was. There's been some injuries. Uh, particularly on defense to Ryan Graves and John Marino, yeah, but tough. it's still, it's still, it's, it's, it speaks to something bigger that's going on, even though that they're still playing like the team that they can be, they're still losing games. And that's, that's the biggest problem. James, you're not going to like to hear that, but the fact that the devils are on a slide makes the entire conference so much more interesting <laughs> because for a while you had them dominating, right? You had the hurricanes that were good. Now you have the hurricanes in first place with 52 points. And the next five teams are separated by two points. As wow. you mentioned earlier, right? The Rangers are in sixth place with 44 points. The Devils are in second place with 46. So we're going to see a ton of, I think, changing and the, the standings. We're not going to be able to like 
say, you know, two through six is not going to be a huge difference. Maybe for the rest of the season, I think this could legitimately be Carolina's division and then a five-team battle for those two division spots and then the two wildcard spots. When I look at the Atlantic, I don't think that we're getting a wildcard team out of that division. You don't have a, a single team outside of the three division spots that has 40 points. Maybe Detroit or Ottawa or Florida bounces back, but I think you end up seeing five playoff teams come out of this conference. I and I sorry, Sam. Sorry, no, just good, to go. jump off of that, Lou. I I was gonna say that I don't. I'm not ready to say that this is the Hurricanes division yet either, because what we've seen from the Islanders, Rangers, Devils, Penguins, and in moments the Capitals is that. All of these teams are capable from, of stringing together wins against really good teams, even in tough stretches of their schedule. The Rangers went on how many in a row? Seven or eight? The Devils 13. The Islanders, when they're at their best, you know, we said if Sorokin's at his best and if the Islanders are playing good hockey, you know, top to bottom, they're a 200-foot team. They're good in the offensive zone, neutral zone, defensive zone. They can be a team that can skyrocket all the way to the top two. So I, th- this Metropolitan Division is special, and uh, I'm, I'm just happy that we get to watch this play out. Absolutely. And I think it's so fun, all of us either living or going to school or being around the East Coast during hockey season, which we are. And I mean, hockey season aligns pretty well with the school year, which is really fun to then be there for the majority of the season. So I am I'm thoroughly intrigued to see how the rest of this year plays out, especially in this Metropolitan Conference, because I really think that. You know, like you said, a lot of things are going to change, Lou, especially after the deadline. And I know we're not doing trade deadline talks, and I don't really want to get into that because we're already we're already having a lot to to go over in this app. But I think that post deadline will really be where we start to see. I think some people pull away and some people fall behind. I don't know who it's going to be. I've still got faith in these Devils that they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to do well. I still like them. I still think that all three of these New York Metropolitan teams will be in the playoffs. If not, you know, I don't, like you said, Lou, I don't know if we're even seeing a, a wild card team come out of this here conference because it's just so stacked at the moment. And with that, let us discuss an Eastern Conference team. And let's just, let's discuss a couple teams. Let's discuss some, some fun East Coast action, rather. I didn't know how to segue that. I tried to do something fun and it didn't work. So let's just do some fun East Coast hockey happening this week. The 2023 Winter Classic is occurring. One of the most fun aspects of hockey that I can remember in recent age has been the Winter Classic. This year, great matchup. It is Bruins-Penguins at Fenway, which is so much fun. I did see, I saw a tweet today, which I want to hear you guys' opinions on this. I know this wasn't the intended topic of conversation, but I saw a tweet today that said, bowl games should not be played in baseball stadiums. How do you feel of referring to the to the college football bowl games occurring right now in various baseball stadiums? How do you two feel about NHL All-Star games and um, not All-Star games, but Winter Classic games being played in baseball stadiums? Oh, I, I love the hockey games happening in baseball stadiums. I think like I was laughing at Colin Lochran posted. He went to the the what, what was it? The Pinstripe Bowl or Syracuse? Pinstripe Bowl, yeah. At Yankee Stadium. And I was laughing at that because the field barely fits in the stadium. Like there are some parts where it's like the end zone's right up against the wall. I think hockey has like the opposite problem where sometimes the rink is too small. And if you're sitting somewhere like I wonder how hard it is sometimes to see see mm-hmm. the ice, but I mean the the environment that you get from playing in a baseball stadium, I think is electric. Fenway is one of the best ones uh, I think you could really do. 
So I am, I am so far. I think I'd be really distraught if they stopped having them in baseball stadiums. I think that's such a cool, like merging of worlds. Yeah. I I'm pro outdoor games. Like totally. It's so much fun. Uh, I mean, there's come some like logistics issues. I remember the devil's Rangers game at Yankee stadium in like 2013 it had to be delayed because the sun glare was too great on the ice and the goalies couldn't see the puck because there was too much reflection. So like, yeah, I mean, the, the elements, ice hockey is not necessarily suited for the elements, but uh, I think, Lou, you, you, you spoke to it with the, uh, the crowd energy. It's like you can pack 50,000, 60,000 people into some of these stadiums. That's better than the 15,000 that you, you normally see at an NHL uh, arena. And that's, that's where the novelty comes from an outdoor game. Nick, you said it, the beanies. That's like fantastic. I love watching the goalie pop a beanie on the helmet for no reason. It doesn't make so you fun. any warmer. It just gives the other team it a target sick. to shoot at. It looks so and it looks awesome. It's so cool. And it looks, <laughs> it looks really, really sick. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, Fenway, Fenway is, uh, I think, is this the first venue to host the Winter Classic twice? Uh, I think because they, because the Bruins played the Flyers. I don't know what year. Yankee but that was a Stadium hosted two games in the same year, so it's a little uh, different. Yeah, like they hosted oh, they... Rangers and then Islanders, but it was the same year. Oh, okay. So okay, so this is different. Well, then they, that different. was when they they started adding like the stadium series thing, and it yeah, wasn't that was the like a classic. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. So I guess was. it's ten, yeah. There's um there was that one year where they just did a ton of outdoor games. Yeah, yeah. And so like, there were fun fun side note. Rangers as as far as. I've been led to believe Rangers can never be the home team in a winter classic or outdoor game because they're contractually obligated to play all their home games at MSG. So they have to be away in any winter classic or game. Fascinating. That That makes sense. That is true. That is true. They played away against the Flyers in a winter classic. They played at Yankee stadium and the devils were the home team. And, and they played, I don't know where, the, I away. guess they played the Islanders in Yankee Stadium too and were the away team or maybe in a And they were, stadium. they were away against the Sabres in City Field in 2018. That's, how does that make any sense? <laughs> that is funny. See, I, I love that. That's a, the, the Winter Classic is such a funny, a funny event every year, partly because of these things where we're like, why? Who's, who is home? Especially when it is somewhere that neither of these teams are from. And I'm like, interesting we're like that year that we just had all those outdoor games was so much fun frankly bring them back of course a couple of logistical issues the the key one that sticks out in my mind is lake tahoe avs golden knights where the ice melted and they were like we simply cannot have this game happen right now sorry and it was like during the game they were like oops we're gonna have to pause sorry about that but you know i was supposed to go when uh, the Air Force Academy hosted an outdoor, I don't know if it was officially a winter class or if it was an outdoor game for the Avs. And um, I was supposed to go to that game and it was King's Avs. Yes, it was King's Avs. And my dad bought tickets and was going to surprise me. And then I had to go back to school before the game happened because um, something happened with my finals or a spring break. And so I, I couldn't end up going and I was heartbroken. But I think we've we're not we didn't do very well anyways at any of the outdoor games we've played so it doesn't fully matter i want to ask i think, I think the rangers well, are undefeated in outdoor games they really? might i know i know sam you'll be delighted to hear that henrik lundquist is undefeated in outdoor games. i am delighted to hear that <laughs> i love is. that that was my, my first memory of an outdoor game was rangers flyers 2012 when he made the he, i think it's, a shootout, it's right? like a penalty shot I, no drew got a penalty shot because he got like, trapped at 30 seconds left and henrik makes the save and they won that game. And that's like my first memory of Winter Classic. I remember the Flyers having amazing Winter Classic unis 
for some reason. They I don't know. I, really good I don't remember what the Rangers. I mean, it's not like the Rangers have a lot. The Rangers, I think they do. They uh, they might have done the white one that first time, and then they had like the they had they broke out a navy. They one, had like the curves on the top of the logo. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was like the old. Yeah. Okay, I remember that now. Yeah. That man. That's Pittsburgh has years ago. the that's the light blue with Sidney Crosby when they the from the first one. Those are sick. The light blue. Oh, with the circle. Yeah. Oh, I I will say that's all time. So- some of the I know I have controversial opinions on the reverse retro jerseys, as Lou never fails to remind well, me. I, I gotta I gotta stop doing that because uh the Rangers are like one and five in the reverse retro. So I just gotta stop I know. Talking about it. Well, the one it's game awful. that you did tweet at me and say Samantha's been right, they haven't won a game yet in a reverse retro. They won, they won that yeah. game after you publicly said that. And here's the thing is Lou, I never said I hated the Rangers jerseys. No, I know, I just want to make you feel really bad about it. <laughs> No, no you, just... you you didn't even say that they were bad. You're just like, I don't know how I feel about it. I was like, that's all. That's enough for me. <laughs> and yeah, and Lou has run with it. But I, I think one of my favorite parts about the Winter Classic and all the outdoor games is seeing all the jerseys because some of them, for lack of a better term, are so ugly. And some of them are awesome. Recent memory, the Nashville outdoor ones that they played that just said Smashville and Giant ones, which I know now they have as jerseys, are awful so awful they had giant awful outdoor jerseys and they i hated them i hated them the wild outdoor jerseys were cool in that wilds wild blues one that one was cool i really like those but sometimes i just see jerseys that i'm like these suck anyways i i'm excited to see for this year winter classic this year how it will go fenway will be a great environment no doubt and of course bruins penguins will be so much fun let us move to international waters now, since we, we've talked about our, our home base. We've talked about New York, expanded, expanded. Let us expand further. International waters, all the way up to Canada. So still North America, but, you know, norther than what we've been talking about so far. Colder water for sure. Colder water for absolute sure, but <laughs> not quite international. Um, well, international in the way Nick Palmer's shaking his head at me. Wouldn't it not be technically international water? I mean, it's still the same continent, but... And, I'm, just, uh, yeah. listen, I'm just trying to throw you a bone, dude. I no, I appreciate... Well, no. here, let, me, let, me justify, <laughs> let me justify myself. I was saying international, maybe as a play on words, because it is the World Junior Championship, and that is an international <laughs> tournament. Boom! Eat it! Anyways. <laughs> I saved it. I saved it. I saved it. Canada, Canada is, is another it, nation. Canada that's, is another that's nation. That's a fact. It's true. Yes, it's the same continent, though. Anyways, we don't need to talk. I really don't feel like getting into a discussion about this right now or fighting. We've got far too much to discuss to get into this. Semantics are important. Semantics are not important, and we are on a literal time crunch because Zoom will kick us off. So let us discuss. I just want to briefly touch on this because the World Juniors has been insane so far this year. It feels like every time I check a score, it's like 10-0, 11-0, 11-1, 7-1. Frankly, there have been a number of people who have been absolutely popping off. I know one that we talked about that was going to be obviously the person to watch in this matchup is Connor Bedard. And he has 14 points in how many games? Three games. It should be three games. games? Yeah, 14 points. He has six goals, eight assists in uh, three games with a plus eight rating. Next guy after that has seven points. So Connor Bedard has double the points of anybody else in this tournament right now, which is absolutely 100% ridiculous. And I mean, fellas, 
thoughts on Connor on on this tournament on everything. Lou, go ahead. He he looks like the next McDavid. I said he looks legit, right? Like he's got that smooth shot. It's quick. It's almost like surprisingly quick. Like he's so nonchalant with it, and it just flies. I mean, Team Canada is stacked. That's why it's kind of so funny that they lost that first game. And just tried to do Michigans all the time. Um, yeah. What was it? Seven Michigan attempts or something? Like seven or eight. Chris Hennessey <laughs> said us something. It was like eight Michigan. It was hilarious. Yeah, oh, no. They were by the end of like, so they, they both those Michigan attempts were early in the game. So by the end of like some some threshold in the game, they were a- averaging uh, eight Michigans per 60 minutes <laughs> at, the, at the World Juniors, which is, which is, I mean, it's a ridiculous statistic in the time, but also it's a ridiculous thing that they actually tried it twice and then and then went on to lose. Just, but, just dumb. I mean, I think, right, Nick said in the chat, Shane Wright has a couple goals. He's been looking pretty good. Brennan Ottman for the Rangers has not scored, but he did have a beautiful behind-the-legs pass to set up mm-hmm. a goal. So he's done, he's done some pretty cool things, which is shout-out to that guy. Um, I'll talk about, I mean, not to just keep, hyping up the Bedard train because I mean that's doing it on its own the guy's ridiculous I'll talk a little bit about the U.S. fans like a lot of were getting made fun of for making fun of Canada for losing and then coming back with a 6-3 loss to Slovakia but Slovakia are the real deal I feel like people don't understand that Slovakia is like next up in terms of hockey production they just had the number one and two overall picks at the last NHL draft so I before people say that the U.S. you know sort of hit a road bump there i'd like to say let's before we hit the panic button that slovakia team is legit uh as far as it goes for team usa i think they play tomorrow against finland and that's like the real test for the first place in their group i mean finland are always a medalist perennial uh threat for any one of these international hockey tournaments i mean they got the better of the u.s at previous two olympics that i know we're not too proud of that the world juniors is obviously totally different because it's our best under 20 players that are not in the nhl for both teams so it's a little more of a level playing field um and yeah luke hughes has been interesting uh he's had a couple of mistakes in that slovakia game that he got called out for and then came back and immediately scored a goal in the next one so uh that's probably the big name player that devils fans will be watching this entire tournament because they expect him to actually make an impact probably mid-season at this point, uh, given the, the defensive injuries to the Devils. So that's that's where my head's at looking at this World Juniors tournament. Team USA, don't hit the panic button yet until the result of the Finland game comes in. I would agree. I think that we, we don't really have a need to panic there. I think that just as we maybe people maybe got too overconfident um, after Canada – you know, drop that first game. I think that we don't want to do that now and either get too overconfident or hit the panic button. I think remain nice and neutral. It is really cool to now um, check up on the various prospects and draft picks who have all found their way to the NHL or will find their way to the NHL soon. As we talked about already, Connor Bedard, Shane Wright has five points as we know, current member of the Seattle Kraken second overall pick uh, by the Devils. Where did he just go? Oh, Simon Nemich has four points, or Simon Nemich, rather, has four points. Logan Cooley has four points. So, you know, Tyler Boucher. So we're looking solid in terms of drafts in the NHL right now. I just want to say my favorite thing that's come out of looking at these stats for the World Juniors is there's two people with almost 30 penalty minutes in three games, and it is just making me – oh, it's it's hilarious. There's one person with um 20 – oh, yeah – 
two players, one German, one Canadian with 29, two players with 25, and then the next after that is 10. So, frankly, I think that's fun. That is incredibly fun. And with that, we will have to keep an eye on this tournament, which does go until January 6th, 3rd? 6th, 3rd. 6th, 3rd? I don't remember. Somewhere around that range. We'll talk about it next week. Somewhere over, oh, fifth. I was not was right. right. Oh, I was a pull from somewhere. Good job, Lou. Yeah, Lou found that one in the back of his in the back of his brain from last week's episode. So good job, Lou. January 5th, keep an eye out on international hockey and on all of the various prospects, draft picks, and amazing hockey players abroad and who are members of the USA right here at home. To round this episode out, like we said, it is New Year's Eve Eve. And with New Year's Eve, though, I personally do not believe in resolutions because, like I said, I think you can change and be a better person at any time. I think that it would behoove us to perhaps create some resolutions for our New York Metropolitan teams. We did it last week where we gave them a Christmas gift. We gave them a perfect holiday gift. We are now going to make a resolution for them. I I think I will, I will go... F- mm, I, I will not go first. I was going to, and then I was like, no. okay. Okay, you don't know. I will go first. Fine. I will go first. <laughs> should we go? Should we go one team all around or should we bounce? Yeah, let's do that. That's the best one. Yeah, team I like that. All right. My my all right. I will go first and I will pick the Rangers. And their New Year's resolution is to be more confident, A, and to be more powerful on the forecheck and to not be afraid of being physical. That is going to be my New Year's resolution for them is to get their bodies in the play and do everything they can, not just poke checks like you said, Lou, and playing that defensive game they do so well, but getting in there, being aggressive and being the team that they can be. Who's next? Okay. Okay. My resolution for the New York Rangers is very simple. It is... Three words. Stop hitting posts. It's all that they need to do. I mean, no, they have a lot of things to do, but their resolution is, please, for the love of God, stop hitting the post. Because if you've been a Rangers fan, man, they've hit the post so many times. Kako, Trocek, they might have each hit 10 posts. Kako hit a post in the shootout against mm-hmm. against Tampa. Uh, so please stop hitting posts. If they can turn those into goals, be awesome. Stop hitting posts. That's it. For the Rangers, I will say that their New Year's resolution should be find your four uh, forward lines and find that whichever 12, three uh, pairs of uh, four pairs of three, excuse me, whichever of those combinations works best over a 60 minute hockey game. Even if it's not necessarily where they get the most wins, if they look their best over 60 minutes, that's what they need to figure out because ultimately, they're building towards something bigger here. They still have a relatively young core and it doesn't have to all click 100% right now if they can build to something really good by the end of this season. So that for me, that would be by the end of January, they need to know at least three of their four lines when everyone's healthy. Okay. I like it. My, my resolution for the Islanders. Hmm. Be consistent. That's it. There we go. Predictable, easy. Be consistent. Find a method. Lou chose three words. I'm choosing two. Be consistent. I don't know how much simpler I can put it. That's what I've been saying all season. Might be a cop out for me to say now. I don't particularly care. 
Who's next? <laughs> well, let's let's keep it in this order. I think my resolution is let Barzal carry. He got he he said New Year's came early. I'm gonna be a new man. He did that about a few games ago. Let that happen because that's gonna lead to winning. So yeah, man. Let Barzal carry. Let Barzal shoot the puck as much as he wants, frankly. <laughs> I think that's their resolution. They've already started to do it a little bit, which is good. They're getting a head start. You don't have to wait till the new year. You can do as soon as Christmas comes, start working on yourself. Hmm. For the Islanders, I will say keep the the resolution, keep squeezing the best player, the best hockey out of some players. I feel like the Islanders are better at, you know, getting production from players that otherwise on other teams would you would not be able getting those production out. Like I don't feel like Zach Barisi should be scoring as many points as he is. I feel like the you know the Casey Sezikis's and the the Cal Clutterbucks of the Islanders are utilized in a really good way. And I and if for the Islanders to make a push back into the uh, top three discussion in the Metropolitan Division, which they certainly are still a part of, they want to push themselves above the pack. It's going to need keeping that consistency from guys within their bottom six and their bottom pairing D to um, have a pretty good plus minus. I'm not sure where they're at right now, but that's going to be the key for the Islanders moving forward because they play such a complete style of game of hockey that you need everyone from top to bottom, not just your Barzals and your Josh Bailey's, but you need your bottom pair of guys to really contribute to. Absolutely. To the New Jersey Devils, I think their New Year's resolution should be I think it this it, this is gonna sound wrong, like when I say it, but let me explain briefly after. I think it should be to start over in the way of like mentality. I think that they're at a place where this team, their once their mentality starts to slide, the team slides. And being on the losing slide that they are, I don't want it to get to the point where they don't believe in themselves anymore, like they did at the beginning of the year, which is what led them to that 13 game win streak. I think that their New Year's resolution should be to take a breath and to start over with their mentality and say, it's a new year, new year, new us, literally. And, you know, like live by that. So yeah, I say new year, new devils, their resolution should be to let everything from this year go and to look to the future. Lou. My resolution for the New Jersey Devils, be better. <laughs> not not really, but in the same vein of like, listen, you are not guaranteed a playoff spot. Like, as crazy as that sounds, like, we talked about the standings. You have a, a couple more bad weeks and you don't get back to the way you were playing. You could miss the playoffs. That's crazy. Um, So, listen, it, we talked about earlier how they're getting the offensive chances and not finishing. I don't know that it's necessarily a scheme thing. The players need to be a little better. I'm not sure that it's necessarily the new year, new me, because I think there are aspects of this year that they did really well, but at least new month, new you, right? December's been pretty abhorrent for them. So, good word. Listen, the the new month, January, could not come any sooner. Forget December and be better. I think, Lou, that's the best advice that you could give. Um, I do think that there are certainly things to correct with the mentality, though, Sam. That's a really good place to start. I Part of me wonders, oh, look, they have a three-on-one. Oh, they squandered it. Of course they did. <laughs> anyway, um, as far as converting their chances go that's that's where the, the the problems are it's a confidence issue 
even even in the game against the Bruins, they looked reluctant to just get shots off. You know, it's it's the Bruins play really good shutdown hockey, though. So, I mean, there's credit where credit's due, but the Devils do need to be better, Lou. You're right. So for my, for my uh, resolution, I will say keep at it because schematically it's not a problem. Lindy Ruff has got these guys playing the right way. They brought him in specifically to be the coach for the young guys because he can get get good hockey out of young guys who are always going to be this team's core. Your Hughes's, your Bratz, your Heashears, even like guys like supplementally like Dawson Mercer. Those guys need to start contributing too, but keep at this style because once – the first domino falls and you get back into a really good game where you score, you convert your chances. That's going to build up the confidence that you're talking about, Sam. And maybe they get another win streak out of it. It doesn't have to be 13 games. That's why that win streak was so important because that was a cushion for when these points in the season happen. Because this ha- these points in the season happen for every team, even the best ones. Uh, I'm not saying the Devils are the best team, but they certainly can be if they get back to what they were doing in November. And I think the best way they can do that is keep at it Keep playing the same style of hockey because it looks – the metrics, like you said, Lou, they should be winning games, but they're not. So you got to keep at it. And once that first domino falls, it's going to get a lot and a lot easier to keep winning games and keep scoring goals. So plug away. Absolutely. Well, let us see how the new year blesses and or hurts our favorite teams here in the East and all across international waters to use that word again because it or to use that phrase again because it caused so much controversy earlier that I'm going to bring it back around. That will just about do it for us this episode of five on three. It has been so much fun talking with you guys as always. I wish everybody a very, very, very happy, healthy and safe new year. Be smart. Have fun. Love you all. Woo! I am once more Samantha Borer, joined this week by James Burley and Lou Orlando. Our producer has been the one, the only, Nick Palmer. And with that, Five on Three is a production of WFUV Sports. (laughs) 